As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit within you to help you live righteously in this life. Does that mean that you bear none of the responsibility? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah clears up any confusion on the matter as he continues his series in Romans 8. With some encouragement toward better cooperation, here's David to introduce his message, The Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And thank you so much for joining us. I suppose there's not a subject uh, that we all feel a little bit ignorant about. We shouldn't, but we do. There's just not a lot of teaching out there about the Holy Spirit. We know about God the Father. We know about His Son, Jesus Christ. We know something about the Holy Spirit, but not as much as we should. And the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells us as believers. The Holy Spirit in our lives is a sign that we are the sons of God. It's a reminder that we no longer are debtors to sin, that we are God's children. And the Bible clearly states that the work of the Holy Spirit is present, powerful, and persistent in the life of every Christian. So today and tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 17 in the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Friends, I have in my hands a copy of the study guide for this series. Uh, There are eight lessons in this study guide that take you through the eighth chapter, and just wonderful material to help you grab hold of the wonderful truth of this great chapter. I hope you get your copy of the study guide. You can go to our website, learn all about it. You can order it from our website and have it sent to your home. And let me remind you that uh, our resource for this month is a book that will help you understand Romans in a way that you never dreamed would happen. It's the written word journal that enables you to write the book of Romans in your own handwriting. I can't tell you what that'll do for you. I I just need to encourage you to give it a try and see what happens. Everybody that I know who's doing that, because we initiated it here in San Diego, they're all coming back and saying, you know, for the first time I've understood this book in a way I never thought I would. I'm pretty sure that'll happen to you. So when you send your gift, be sure to ask for this beautiful hardback journal, The Written Word of God, The Book of Romans. Well, let's get started in our study of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A few years ago, a woman by the name of Joyce Doherty, who lived in Louisville, Kentucky, traveled to an orphanage in Ukraine to adopt a child. It was there that she saw two-year-old Kristen. Kristen's beautiful blue eyes framed the edges of a facial tumor, what they call a hemangioma. But even that tumor couldn't hide this little baby's grin. Kristen's eyes were so alert, said Joyce Doherty, that I just kept watching her. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. There was something special that that tumor could not hide. I could have taken any of the children I saw with me And at the same time, I knew if I adopted Kristen, she'd have more than a new start. She'd have a new life. Many Ukrainian families are afraid of a child with any kind of disability. In fact, sometimes mothers in Ukraine even take them to an orphanage or just abandon them in public because they think it's some sort of curse on their family if one of their children has any deformity. But Joyce Doherty chose Kristen. And when they got back to Louisville, A surgeon removed the hemangioma, 
And the thin scars from the surgery soon healed, and everything about Kristen changed dramatically. Her whole life was changed. What the Doherty's did for Kristen, God has done for us, but so much more. With all of our blemishes and scars, he has taken us into his family, and that's the good news of today's sermon from Romans chapter 8. We belong to the family of God. Now, the first 11 verses of the 8th chapter have shown us what Christ has done for us, how he delivers us. Remember the verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Not only has he delivered us from the penalty of the flesh and the power of it, but also even from the practice, he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can deal with all of this. But what you need to know about the writings of Paul concerning the 8th chapter of Romans and concerning most of his epistles is that Paul follows a pretty routine process when he writes. Here's what he does. He gives you all of the doctrinal things, all the theological, all the biblical things you need to know in the beginning, and then he makes a transition into, now that you know all this, here's how you should respond to it. That's true in Romans, it's true in Ephesians, it's true in Galatians. Paul gives you doctrine first and duty second. He gives you exposition and then he gives you exhortation. He says what you believe determines how you behave. Do you believe that? Well, we have proven that not just in biblical terms, but across the whole realm of any kind of discipline. And that is what you believe about something will determine how you behave because of it. And what Paul is telling us in the book of Romans is this. If you really believe that God has rescued you through Jesus Christ from your old life, given you this new strength over the flesh, which gives you the opportunity not to sin, before you couldn't help yourself, now you can. If you believe all of that, what responsibility do you have because that's true? If this is true, if God has loved you so much that he's done that, there are certain things that he wants you to know. Now, this pattern of doctrine first and duty second is what makes Christianity different than all of the other religions. You see, in religion, the other religions, if you want to put categories around it, in religion it goes like this. Your acceptance with God is based on what you do. To the degree that you work hard and live a good life, you'll become a child of God. That's what they teach. And it's involved with catechisms and classes and standards and regulations and rules and all of that stuff. But God turns that around. God says, that's not the way it works. Christianity is the exact opposite. Listen carefully. Christianity says that your acceptance with God is based not on what you do for God, but what Christ has already done for you. So in Christ, God makes you his child, and then he asks you to obey. Totally different process. And this is the model that Paul follows here in Romans 8. He tells us that a person who's been blessed by God the Father is to respond obediently to the Holy Spirit who lives within him. Yes, it's wonderful to be a child in the family of God, but it comes with some responsibilities. Can I get a witness? He is obligated to live in a new way, even though he is by no means capable in his own life. How many of you know, if you try to live the Christian life in your own strength, you'll be a failure. And we failed, haven't we? We've all tried that. The Christian life is not hard. The Christian life is impossible. 
apart from the Holy Spirit. So what God does is he puts you in his family. He tells you some things that you need to do, and then he gives you the Holy Spirit to help you do it. But there's a wonderful cooperative that goes on here that we can't forget. God gives you what you need to obey, but he wants you to obey. This is a little bit sticky for a lot of people. Some people think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just going to hang out and let God do his work. Let go and let God, they say. They don't want to lift a finger to do anything of themselves, so they just think God's going to do it. How many of you know that doesn't work? God wants us to obey, and in the process of obeying, God helps us by his Holy Spirit to do it. But we are still responsible. The Bible says we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in us to will and do for his good pleasure. God is doing his work in us. He's putting the Holy Spirit in us. He wants us to take steps of obedience so the Holy Spirit can work in us to make us the people God wants us to be. So the first thing you need to know from Romans chapter 8 is the believer is responsible to the Holy Spirit. Verse 12 says, Brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Before we became Christians, we didn't have any choice. You might have thought, well, before I became a Christian, I was a pretty good person, and I didn't do all the bad things. I did some things that I shouldn't have done. Listen, let me tell you what. The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous, no, not one. If you doubt that, read Romans chapter 3 this week, and you will be totally convinced. Even our motives are bad before Christ comes to live within our heart. But when Christ comes, he doesn't take away the old nature. He just gives us a new nature and enables us to live our lives according to his will. Verse 10 says in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit who lives in us is the spirit of life. And that means that when he comes to live within our heart, he brings life with him. The Bible calls it abundant life, new life, real life. We may not all understand what happens when we become Christians in the process we go through, but something changes. The Bible says, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Something happens in us when the Spirit of God comes to live within us. Our sins are gone. Our guilt is gone. We know that we're going to go to heaven someday when we die. Everything about life is changed for one simple reason, that God loved us, sent his Son to die for us, and in the process gave us his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. And we then are responsible to live this new God-given life and put to death those things which get in the way. Now, here's where we're going to find out how we cooperate with God in the living of this Christian life. We are reinforced by the Holy Spirit in doing it. Here's what it says in verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When you become a Christian, you have still the old nature. You know that. We've always joked about that. If you don't believe that, ask your partner. They will verify the fact that you still have the old nature. Amen? So you don't get a chance to eradicate the old nature. Paul is not telling us here that there's something you can do to make all of those things that are still a part of the old nature go away. Here's what he says. You can crucify the deeds of the old nature. You can get rid of the old nature? No, but you can take care of the things the old nature wants you to do, and you can deal with those. John Stott puts it this way. He said, there is a kind of life which leads to death, and there's a kind of death that leads to life. There's a kind of life that you can live free and fancy and doing whatever you want to. That kind of life will end up with spiritual death, separation from God. 
But there's a kind of death, said Stott, that you can give to the things of your body which are not godly, the things that the old nature still wants to produce in you. You can deal with those things, and that will bring life. The automatic outcome of living according to the flesh is death. But if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can live a life that is not at all described by death, but is totally described by life. Now, here's the thing that comes as a surprise to a lot of people. When you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, he doesn't just totally put you on the outside as a non-player and take over and you just sit back and watch him do it. I've heard people preach that. It goes like this, let go and let God. Well, if you let go and let God and you don't think you have anything to do with this, you're going to end up not getting where you want to (laughs) go. The 17th century pastor and theologian John Owen wrote an entire book on this verse, and his advice goes like this. If you aren't killing sin, sin will be killing you. (laughs) This is what Paul is talking about when he wrote these words to the Galatians. Listen to what he said. He said, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. I remember some years back we used to have a Good Friday service they put a big cross up on the stage and we had this really emotional service and at the end if you had something going on in your life that shouldn't be going on if you had some sin you were engaged in as a christian you wrote the sin on a piece of paper and then in a moment of clarity you walked up on the platform and they gave you a nail and you nailed that sin to the cross it was a really moving thing But how many of you know, writing your sin on a piece of paper and nailing it on a piece of wood doesn't change anything if it doesn't change in your heart? I mean, it's a nice little action. It might make you feel good for a few moments, but if you walk out of here and keep doing what you were doing before you came in, even after you nailed it to the wood cross, nothing changes. Paul says that when, as Christians, we discover that things from our old life are slipping back into our life and starting to take hold in our lives, how many of you know that happens? When you become a Christian, you don't just get rid of all your old experiences. And sometimes things that were true of you before you became a Christian, that's what we call the flesh. Sometimes those things get back into your life, and all of a sudden you look up one day and you say, man, what am I doing here? I'm a Christian. Why is that happening? Paul says, when those things happen, you have to crucify those things, and you have to take that responsibility and deal with them. You don't just sit around and wait. Well, I'm just going to wait for God. Maybe he'll take it away. No, he won't. God isn't going to do for you what you're unwilling to do for yourself. By the Holy Spirit's power, he will help you obediently do what he asks you to do. So let's just talk about what does it mean to crucify the flesh? There's some characteristics about crucifixion that we all know from the passion narrative. Crucifixion is personal. You've got to do this yourself. This is not a corporate deal. This is not something we do together as a church. We don't come together on Sunday. And together, this Sunday, we're going to all crucify the things in our body that shouldn't be there. No, you have to do this yourself. Crucifixion is individual, personal. The crucifixion takes place, and it's done not to you. It's something that you do in the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember reading about a young man who was studying to be a priest after he had the first confession his mentor came to him and he said, son, he said, you did okay, but you got to figure out some way to respond to their confession by saying something other than wow. (laughs) So if I knew what was going on in your heart today, I'd probably be saying wow, right? And so for all of us. 
So what happens is you know something's in your life that shouldn't be there. You're a Christian. You're a child of God. You're in the family of God. You're a privileged person. You're in God's family. He puts you in his family. When you're in God's family, he has certain expectations of you, and some of the things you may be doing right now are not on his list of things he expects you to do. So you have to deal with that. That's what the scripture says. You do it personally, and you do it painfully. How many of you know sometimes those things get in your life, and they get really attached to you, and it's not easy to say no to them? I remember reading a story about a pastor who was having a counseling session with a young lady, and this young lady had gotten herself into a relationship where I think she was in college, and she was a really wonderful Christian girl, but this relationship was taking her away from God. It was not a good, healthy relationship, and this person that she was involved with was trying to take her away from the things that God expected of her as a child of God's family. And so in that meeting with that pastor, she decided she was going to deal with that. And the pastor said, as she talked about what she was going to do to break off that relationship, she began to shake emotionally. It was so powerful. It was so painful for her to think that she had to do that, to go back and deal with that relationship. How many of you know that if you're in a relationship and it's not taking you toward God but away from God, that's a relationship you need to get rid of. That's a relationship you need to crucify. (laughs) I'm not trying to get in anybody's life or tell you how you should manage your love life. I'm just saying that it's possible for a Christian to get into a relationship and that relationship can take them way away from God's purpose in their life. And it's not just relationships, it's attitudes. Here's what Paul says. However painful it may be, crucify it. Deal with it. And crucifixion is also pitiless. I remember watching The Passion and really just couldn't help but cry to see the way they played out what happened to Jesus before he even went to the cross, how they brutalized his body. And then when they put him on the cross, how pitiless it was. Listen to me. You have to deal with the things in your body, in your life that aren't godly in the same way that the Roman soldiers dealt with Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what it means to crucify the flesh. They put nails in his hands and in his feet, and it was permanent. (laughs) How many of you know the things that are in our lives that shouldn't be in our lives don't naturally go away? You've got to confront them. You've got to deal with them. And the whole idea of crucifixion is to help us understand how brutal we need to be with the things that are in our life that ought not to be there. We're Christians. We're children of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And there are just certain things that we may allow ourselves to get into. And when we do that, it just destroys the peace and joy and the life that God wants us to know. And when we deal with those things, what will happen is God will bring back that sense of peace and joy and life that we once knew before all of these things started to reappear. I hope this is helpful to you because... What I want you to know is this. You can know the joy of the Lord in your life as a Christian. And when he identifies something in your life, and it may not be anything like a relationship. It might be some little simple thing. I mean, I'll tell you what. Television can be one of those things. The Internet can be one of those things. You all know there's a list of things that can get in your life and start messing up your relationship with God. Whatever they are, just be determined in your heart. I am not going to tolerate that. I'm going to prosecute it to the fullest extent and get it out of my life. The Holy Spirit 
reinforces us when we do that. When we take that responsibility, we sense him coming along to help us. Then the believer is ruled by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Well, if you're a Christian, God gives you the Holy Spirit in your life. And I became a Christian a long time ago. I don't remember a lot of the early things about becoming a Christian. And I was sort of programmed to become a Christian because I was a preacher's kid. And I knew about Jesus since the time I was a little child. And so I kind of grew up. And when I was a teenager, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I didn't come from a sordid life of sin and all of that. I was a sinner, but I wasn't a notorious sinner. But here's the deal. When you become a Christian, something really does change in your heart. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is like the automatic sin detector in your life? I've had people say, you know, I should do this stuff all the time. I never even thought about it. When I became a Christian, all of a sudden, and I've had people come and say, you know, Pastor Jeremiah, let me tell you what's happened, and they'll tell me all the stuff that's different about their life. And I think, I haven't even preached on that. Where did that come from? The blessed Holy Spirit began to work on them in their life. You know, the Holy Spirit can make you really uncomfortable if you're doing something you shouldn't do. He comes to be your guide. He comes to be your tutor, your teacher, your leader. And when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you have a whole new sense of direction. The Holy Spirit loves to take the Word of God and help you understand how that Word of God relates to your life. When you're reading the Scripture, you may have read it a hundred times over, but all of a sudden now you're a Christian and you really want to walk with God and you read and all it jumps off the page. I read the Focus Life, which is a little book that we created some years ago, which is where you read five Psalms every day and one chapter of Proverbs, and it's in a little book that we bound. And so if you do that, you can read the Psalms through and Proverbs through every month. And it's amazing to me how many times I've read through those chapters only to read something like I had never read it before. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit in your heart taking the hard drive of God's Word. The Holy Spirit is the software and he brings out of the hard drive the truth that leads and guides and directs you. The Holy Spirit leads. He leads in godliness, but he also leads in general. You know, sometimes we just are at a loss for what to do. And I've said to you before during COVID, I've said this more than ever before in my whole life and all the years I've lived. Here's my new mantra. I don't know what to do. Anybody saying that lately? I mean, every time you turn around, something new happens, something you didn't anticipate, something that never has happened before, and all of a sudden you have to respond to it. Here's what I've noticed. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life is more important than it has ever been because I have this inward witness in my heart that I'm either going in the right direction or not. Amen. We'll have more to say about that when we meet together tomorrow. But let me just insert a little bit of information about the Holy Spirit. You know, over the past couple of years, we have taught uh, the attributes of God in a, in a book and in a series called The God You May Not Know. And then we taught the attributes of the Lord Jesus uh, in a book and in a radio series called The Jesus You May Not Know. And we're getting ready for the third uh, in this series called The Holy Spirit You May Not Know. And much of what we're talking about today, I'm sure, will be included in our discussion. The Holy Spirit is the key to our ability to live life as God intended it to be lived. When we learn how to submit to the Holy Spirit, 
when we allow him not only to be the resident of our life, but the president of our life, everything changes. Let me remind you that um, during this month, when you send your gift to Turning Point, we'd like to send you a beautiful journal. It's a hardback journal that takes you into the incredible experience of writing the book of Romans in your own handwriting. You may wonder if you heard right. Yeah, you heard right. We're asking you to write the book of Romans in your own handwriting. It comes from an Old Testament uh, experience recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. You can read about it in the journal. So be sure and ask for your copy of this beautiful journal when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of November. We'll be back tomorrow with more from Romans 8. I'm David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Romans 8, The Greatest Chapter in the Bible, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine Turning Points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, The Written Word Journal designed by David to help you know God's Word more deeply by writing the book of Romans in your own hand. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Romans 8 here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. When Thomas Edison's laboratory caught on fire, he called for his wife to come and witness the sight, a fire bigger than she would likely ever see again. Now that story reminds me of an Italian proverb that says, since the house is on fire, let us warm ourselves. Even in situations that seem terrible, 
There is always something to learn. There is always an opportunity hidden within. We know that because the Bible says God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him. So if God can find an amazing opportunity in every circumstance, perhaps we should expect to find one too. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's opportunities on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.